it's the end of the 2013-2014 wrestling season, and it's my third year as head wrestling coach for my hometown high school. We finished the season at 1-19. That was our dual meet record, and we had zero state qualifiers. I am mentally and physically exhausted. I'm questioning myself. As we leave the building for the last time that season, I look at my volunteer coach that's been there for the last 40 years and ask, am I handling this team the right way? He responded, that's a question you have to answer. And he walked out the door. I had no idea that four seasons later, we would win a regional title for the first time since 1984 and be on our way to winning our first team trophy by placing third in the state of Illinois. I've never brought that moment up to Bill since, but I took it as a calling to reevaluate my coaching philosophy. Up to this point, I was trying to emulate the coaching styles I had grown up with, an authoritative style that gave little power or say to my wrestlers or to my staff. If we were going to be successful, I needed help, and it was time for me to be myself. Awesome. I have goosebumps right now. Yeah. Well, I had a couple of different ones, but I thought that one was kind of where we were going with this episode. Well, with that, welcome to These American Hands podcast. My name is Justin Dietrich, and with me is Chris, Chris Bishop. Bishop. Yes. And... Uh, we are both wrestling coaches, we are both teachers, and we both share a lot of the core same values as each other. We are both fathers and we are raising our families as best we can. We are not perfect, but as best we can. Um, so that reading there was from Chris Bishop, wrote himself. That was awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, last time you shared a little piece of yourself, I think this shares a little insight into me because at, at one point, and that'd probably be the point. Things things were pretty bleak on my side, and since then we've had, we've had a lot of success. But that was that was one of those moments where you're like gut check time. Either this is going to work or it isn't going to work. And right now it's not working. So how do we change? Which which um, kind of leads us to the first overall theme or question of this is uh, what's your what's your coaching philosophy? Um, and so I'm posing that question to you first, Justin. Um, do you have a philosophy you kind of live by with your program? Yes. Uh, before we get into it, I'm going to say two things real quick. And then I want to come back to those two things eventually later on. But before I forget them, you said two things there that you wrote about. One, uh, it kind of hit me in the feels because I know what coaching that 1-19 in 19 team feels like. When, when you're putting in the time and the effort, but you're not seeing the results or, you know, that you feel that you should. Um, but then secondly, you also said, and this is, I think, going to be part of our conversation today. You talked about coaching the way, emulating the coaches that you grew up with, which is both a good thing. And I think something that's pretty natural to do, especially when you're a new young coach. But then secondly, I think it's eventually a thing that you have to learn to break away from, which you did, yeah. which I, I eventually did. But 
that was good stuff. So, so you asked about my personal coaching philosophy. Um, I don't want to paint myself into a corner and say that I'm, I am this, I just believe in this one thing, or I'm just going right. to do this one thing. I will right. tell you though, and this is something that I had to learn. I've, I've had to learn it pretty much every year as a coach. And that is at the end of the day, when, when all is said and done coaching, whether, whether, however long my coaching career is, I at least want to be able to look back and know that I did my best in trying to help uh, young wrestlers use the sport of wrestling to help lead them to success after they leave our program. And I think ultimately, I, I think ultimately, if you're, if as a coach, you don't have some part of that somewhere in you, then as a high school coach, I have to wonder if you're doing things for the right reasons. That's my personal opinion. Um, but I will say that, you know, like programs like yours and like mine, communities like ours, you're going to have good years. You're going to have bad years. You know, you're going to have the ups and downs and the ebbs and flows of coaching. And ultimately, if you can't tie yourself to, in my opinion, a truth that says, what am I ultimately, am I making it? Am I trying my best to make people better? And am I giving them a route like in using the sport of wrestling Am I using that to get them to help get them better? I feel that I do a better job of that now than I did five or six years ago, you know, seven, eight years ago. But how do you, what, how do you feel about that? Well, going to the point that even you're making there, I, I think we could do a, a whole episode or multiple episodes on just the sport itself and how it can be used in, into life. Um, and I definitely agree with the stance of high school sports are about creating a better person or trying to, or helping or supporting the growth of that person um, as opposed to just wins and losses. And I think everybody that's a, that's a good high school coach believes that. Um, and something else I think you hit on was just our situations are different than some of these. Um, I don't know if you call them superpowers in the state, whatever you want the really powers to be. Um, uh, because I, I, one, depending on if they're private or not, some of the recruiting that happens. Um, and then two, wh what is your main goal? I mean, I'd love to have a state championship team every year, but as with anything else, <clears throat> I think you're going to give up some aspects to get to that point. Um, and it's just a willingness of what you see as the main goal and purpose uh, and I'm not trying to take away from those things. They may have a wonderful underlying thing that I don't see. Um, but obviously the pursuit of wins and losses for them is the overarching goal, which, I mean, we want to win too. But there are certain things that I'm not personally going to give up in order to maybe do some of the things that they do. Um, I don't want to wrestle 365 days out of the year. Um, a part of me does, you know, but <laughs> some of the things in the – attention that takes just like we said i got a family and everything else so my attention needs to be be paying attention there first um but but going to the philosophy side one of the things and i and 
and I guess my point with even starting off the way I did, I had to learn to empower the people around me. And I had to let my staff and my wrestlers kind of be themselves. And then I had to create the parameter in which they needed to function in. And when we did that, or when I, I mean, since I've done that, things have gone great. You know, I've, I've got one coach that's really great at game planning, scouting, understanding what the lineup should look like against a specific team. And that's a lot of what he does. I mean, we talk about everything with all my staff, but that's kind of his niche when we're getting down to it's dual meet time or we're going to a tournament time. I got another guy that really handles the day-to-day minutia that we, I, you know, I don't want to handle all the time, you know, whether it be paperwork for this or that or making sure the records are going the right way or our, our managers are in the right place doing those. And uh, I, I've got a guy that does that. Um, Bill, who's who's in the breeding, you know, he, he's not so much on the tactical side anymore, but he's there and he's the guy that is kind of one of the lynch points for the program that's been around so long is he's, he's seen these different things happen. So it's good to reflect off of him. And uh, I guess even going to it, I guess one of the other purposes of the, the beginning of this, um, and I'll just look at a quote from, from Phil Jackson. It's, it's one of the things he, he brings up about coaching is bench the ego. You know, I, I think I felt early on, this is on me. So I need to take uh, not only personal stock and everything that happens, I have to control every single aspect because it's me, it's me, it's me, blah, blah, blah. Well, when you get rid of that, when you get rid of that and you start letting people grow and be comfortable, and this includes myself, man, some amazing things happened. And and, and I w- I've been able to see that with my own eyes. I've been a part of that. And uh, it was something that I had to reevaluate for myself is – the way I'm going at this is burning me out and we're not getting anywhere, you know, and then letting other people have empowerment to do what they do well and uh, letting them know, Hey, this is your job and I got your back. Now we might talk about some things and I might question some things, which they're, they're going to question me on something and that's okay. That's a, that's a healthy relationship. Um, and so that, that has been a real driving force, I would say for, eight, nine years now. So things, things have definitely turned the corner have been in a good spot. Yeah. You hit on a lot of good stuff there. Um, I think it's kind of interesting that you and I both, when did, when, when did you take over as head coach? What year? Uh, that would have been, uh, it would have been 2010, 2011. Cause the first year I was there, I was assistant coach for one year and then I took over. Yeah. Yeah. That's a quick, that's a quick turnaround. And, and it's, you know, I mean, ultimately, you know, you have a love and you have a passion for the sport. Right. And I think number one, if you're going to be a good coach and if you're going to have a good program, uh, your people at the top have to love wrestling period. Right. You know, and, you know, and, and I understand that some programs, you know, are sometimes, you know, they don't have somebody like that in town and they don't want to lose the program. And, you know, maybe they have six to eight to 10 kids out and they just got a guy filling in. I've actually been in a program like that before. Um, but ultimately, if you want to see the success, if you 
for me, ultimately, I want to have, I want to be competitive every year, you know, and there's going to be years that you're going to be better than others, but ultimately you want to have, uh, you want to be there in the end and just be fighting. You know, I think everybody wants that chance. Um, a couple of things that I like what you said was, and number one, uh, this is kind, I think this was one of the hardest things for me to wrap my mind around or grasp when I first started as a head coach, but you do have to get to a point where, uh, yeah, would you love to wrestle 365 days a year and just completely put all of yourself 100% into it? Yeah. But just like you, I have two boys at home that are young you know, and, and my wife and I, when, when I took over as head coach in 2013, I actually, I took over two weeks before the wrestling season started. So it was, that made for a very interesting situation. Like literally, uh, October 15th, I, I had no idea, you know, we had just moved into our house and we were kind of getting settled in. And on October 16th, I get offered a head coaching job. And it's like, uh, and I, at that time I was not coaching for the program. And so I, it's not like I had planned, well, my next four or five months are going to be in wrestling. It was, Hey, uh, I had a pretty open schedule to you're going, you're getting thrown in the deep end. Yeah. And so just like you, uh, we actually, my, my wife was pregnant and she was due with our first that January. So at the end of that wrestling season, we had a newborn. And so obviously there were a lot of challenges there. And, and as like, as a family man, uh, as a wrestling coach, you want to do the best that you can in both of those things. And the truth is you have to be healthy in both of those things. If you're going to be good, if I'm going to be a good wrestling coach, I have to have a good home life. I have to have a good family life. Things have to be right with me and my wife. Things have to be right with me and my boys. And if they're not, then I think that's when the stress settles in. When when it really when things get off track a little bit because now you're away, you know, you're you, you know as well as anybody, you're January and February, you're hardly going to be at home on a weekend. You yeah. know, Sunday right. is basically just recovery day. You know, it's not like, oh, yeah, I get a nice day at home. No, it's like you're probably head is ringing. You're exhausted. You're just coming off a two-day tournament and three duels that you had that week. You're tired. And so you really have to, I guess the word is, you have to be aware of of your own uh, both mental and physical health and your family's mental and physical health. And if those things aren't right, it's really hard to be a good head coach. So. Yeah. And, and, and it's sometimes it's even harder to turn it off in the thick of things. I mean, I find myself, <laughs> you know, nine o'clock on Sundays, um, if things are quiet or whatever, I would find myself um, writing things down for the week. You know, oh, man, I've been doing wrestling all week long, but it's still in my head and it's, um, you know, it's, it's, you get those times where you're like, man, I got to get this out. If I don't get this out, I don't want to lose it. Um, mm-hmm. So that balancing act. And I think another great thing they even talked about, um, especially if you're surprised with something, 
with you taking that job and with me just at the beginning of this, everything I didn't understand about being a head coach. You don't know uh, what you don't know, right? And then all of a sudden you're in charge of the situation and then it's like, wow. So kind of a funny story to even start off with you talking about you starting off as a head coach. Obviously, I had been in my program before because I wrestled there. But then I had one year as the assistant coach there, um, who I took over from my head head coach or high school coach that I had, one hour before my first practice as a head coach, I got a phone call from the secretary in the AD's office. Now, probably not a good sign looking back on it, but I'm like, well, I wonder what this is about. Somebody forgot their paperwork or something like that. No, here's what I got dropped on me. Uh, Chris, you're going to have to find a different way to practice or a different place. And I said, well, different place. I mean, the wrestling room's there. I made sure everything was set up yesterday. We're good to go. No, unfortunately we found asbestos in the gym and we're not sure how long it's going to be until you have a wrestling room again. My response was, (laughs) I don't have a wrestling room until when we're not sure might be till January, right? So that was, you know, November of like an hour before my first practice. So we proceeded to, I had the kids all show up at the high school. The high school is about a mile away from the junior high. So we, we showed up there, everybody, I told them to wear running shoes and we ran over the junior high and uh, none of the mats were set up in there or anything. So I had them, like lay down the mats and do a quick workout. I don't even think we wrestled. I don't think we wrestled at all, but it was almost like I have to do something and I don't have an answer right now. Like we're just going to get a workout in. And uh, we proceeded the rest of that year to wrestle in the junior high. Um, we stacked up mats up on the bleachers and we take them down every day and we tape the mats down and roll them up and everything. I mean, it was like looking back on it, I'm surprised how much success we actually had because it was just like, boom. And, uh, you know, being a young guy, you're just like, ah, I don't even, I was, I was, uh, grasping at straws before that happened. So, so that was, they had to have been your wrestlers. You're the, you know, knew you were the new guy. They had to have been like, this new guy sucks. Like, oh. used to have a mat room. Yeah, look at <laughs> this guy's lost us everything. Even to start with. <laughs> You know, and the other part with that, even going to the coaching philosophy, one of the other things, not only emulating coaches that I've had, but I had just come off, you know, being in a college program and, you know, high school wrestling, college wrestling, and even D3, which is where the intensity levels are are completely different um, from your high school to there. Um, So the first couple of years, too, I was... I was getting after it and I was trying to be more of a college and it, it, I, it probably bothered some of the people that wrestled for it. I know it did. And I've had, I've had guys come back since and they've watched my practices and things. And I just kind of see them looking at it and kind of looking at me and I I'll go over there and go, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a lot different than it used to be. Huh? It's like, they're I, like pissed at you. yeah, they're kind of like, where the hell was this? And I'm like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't know yet, man. I had to, I had to find who I was and, I and a way to relate. Up. I had to screw up with you guys t- so I could get it here. Uh, yeah, really, I did. I did. I had. I had to. I had to get to that low point. And um, and another thing that I want to make sure is clear: when I talked about emulating the authoritarian style, authoritarian style wasn't 
isn't doom and gloom that a lot of people think it is. It's just yeah. someone that has things very pointed in a row and they want things done a certain way. And there's a lot of people that really need that structure. And I was an athlete that thrived with that kind of structure, right? But not all people do. And it's it wasn't really my personality is the end all be all point. And when I got to settle myself down and be myself, we were a lot better. And uh, like I said, it's not the coaching style. It's just that that style doesn't fit who I am. And I was trying to make it fit, you know, you know, the square peg and a round hole thing. That's, that's kind of where I was. And uh, once we got all those edges figured out and turned around, things, things started flowing a lot easier for everybody involved, which is great. Um, I have, all right. While we're on this subject of surprises, when you are a first head coach, I have, I have a very similar story. I'm going to be honest with you. I cannot go into details because there are legal ramifications with my story. Um, So I have to be very careful about how I word this next part. But um, are you, uh, hey, did you change your microphone? No. I'm like getting feedback on my own voice. That happens to me once in a while when I'm talking to you, but I'm not getting anything from you right now. Okay. I don't know. I'm going to try and go. But um, so I get hired on as head coach, and it's about two weeks before season starts. And I get a couple days in of like, okay, what do we have? Uh, What guys are coming out? Who's coming out? And I'm trying to get all of this stuff figured out, right? Like I said, I have to tiptoe my way through this conversation. I get a call from a parent that says, hey, we need to meet. And I'm like, okay, great, you know, come in. And long story short, there's an individual in our program that this parent has, uh, is in the middle of a legal battle with, including her son. And so, so you have two teammates technically that obviously have some sort of animosity or something going on and it's a legal battle somewhere. I didn't say teammates. Oh, okay. <laughs> so two people, two people that okay. are going to be in the room at the same time every okay. day. All right. And there's a very serious legal battle going on with these two people. And I, I did, I mean, one of them's a wrestler because I said one, the parent called yeah. in, Okay. But, you know, I'm sitting in here in my office and she walks out and I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, so when people tell you, they're like, oh man, I would love to coach. I would love to be a part of it. That conversation that I had on that first day of like, what, like, what am I supposed to do with this? what do you do? You know? And I mean, those are the things that like you want to be setting up a practice plan and you want to be watching, you know, picking out some technique and you want to be watching videos or you want to be bringing kids in to watch videos. And you have something like that, that you have to deal with where you, I mean, you don't want to do it. You don't want to deal with it, but you have to, and now you have to, you have to navigate your way through that as to, try your best not to disrupt the 
situation, you know, and, you know, between everybody, you don't want it to bleed out onto the team. And what's interesting and people don't realize is that, that, that type of thing happens more often than a lot of people know, you know, it it really, it really, really does. I mean, I could sit here and tell stories. In fact, I, I'm going through a situation right now and the season's not even going on. Um, And I, I can't dive into that because this one, it's, yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces and things, and there's a legal situation that's going on currently that I am I am personally dealing with. Now, I'm not kind of like you. I'm not in your situation. I'm not directly involved, but the people that are directly involved are in you know in the team. They're 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 with the team, and there's different things that are going on. So it's just like you're you're trying not to let it bleed in the team. I think you're right. Uh, it's, it's, it's trying to keep outside forces on the outside and, um, and keep studying that ship the best you can. Yes. And so. it, it, it's tough. I mean, I've even, you know, even a year ago, one year ago, almost to the day, I'll say about a year and a week ago, uh, I had a, a wrestler that got into some trouble at a tournament and I had a, we, we got him out. We, we, knowing the full situation, that's the other thing. There's a lot, this kid's dealing with a lot, a lot more than I've had to deal with in my life. And he was not handling himself the right way. And I have a cop follow me out of the building. An off duty police officer follows me out of the building as I'm getting this kid out of the building. And along with another wrestler who I trusted, who was taking him home. And the police officer says to me, you know, he's like, do you always let your wrestlers act like that? And I'm like, what? You know, I'm like, what do you mean? And this, you know, and the reason that I said that he was a police officer is because he had told me the reason that he followed us out was because he wanted to make sure that the kid didn't do any damage on his way out. So I respect that, but to take the idea that like, oh, that kid acts that way. So that coach tolerates that really upset me because the things that I know about what that kid has been through are things that you and I have never had to go through. And that kid's 15 years old. He's had to deal. He's had to deal with more real life problems than you and I ever had. And I asked the guy, I said, okay. I can't say everything that the kid that I said to the police officer because of what the kid had been through, but I, I dropped a bomb on him about what the kid's been through. And I said, so where's that kid best? Is he best out on the street right now? Is that, is that what I should do? Should I kick him out? Cause he does come to practice. And I said, and when he acts like this, we're going to punish him. We will deal with him. He will not be, you know, we will deal with him in the way that we deal with him, which, you know, we'll set him out of the lineup. But I think it, especially in the sport of wrestling, I don't think it's any secret. So anybody listening, if they're wrestling fans, there, this isn't a, should not be a secret about wrestling. Wrestling lends itself to a lot of, you know, blue collar, lower income families sometimes. And, and with that, there's sometimes there's some outside forces that come in and, you know, I just, it's a, it's not as simple as what everybody sees on, you know, the night of a duel or, or the weekend of a tournament. People have real problems and they're trying their best to navigate their way through it. And as a coach, you know all that, but 
you know, sometimes the people sitting in the stands don't know it. You know, they don't know everything you're dealing with. Yeah, I, I agree. And those and those situations are really tough because just like you say, you know, but public perception looks different than what it is because you're really trying to save somebody. And uh, sometimes those situations can all kind of burn you as a coach because you are overextending yourself at times. But in the end, you, some, when you're doing that, it's because you're trying to give that person the opportunity. And since we're talking about police being around during this time, um, I'm going to tell a simple story uh, that involves a police officer. We were at the, a tournament, <clears throat> and I had had a, a kid on the mat who was emotionally he he had he had some things going on. Um, he wasn't the greatest wrestler or anything else, but he showed up and he did what he needed to do to be on the mat. Well, he starts the match gets really physical. He starts getting physical, and after the match is over. He goes in the hallway, and he's getting pretty loud. He's kind of flaring all over. His parents are over there, but he's not listening to them. So I'm basically called down the hallway. I go out there, and um, the police officer there looked at me and said, you know, if he does one more thing or swings or hits something, I'm going to have to arrest him. And he looked right at me, and I go, okay, well, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> and his face kind of looked at me like, I mean, because it, it did. It got to that point where um, I, I, tr- I tried all my tools in my tool bag, um, <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't working, and I understood. And, I, I, and things did de-escalate at that. He didn't, he didn't go to jail or anything like that. Um, but it was just one of the situations where it kept building, and I finally was like, well, <laughs> okay. I was like, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> do what you got to do, then, bud. Yeah. And by the way, we're not hating on cops. We're not hating on no, police officers. No, no, we, no, no. You and I both have police officers in our room that are the coaches. I mean, I do. I have, I have one and, of my and, former wrestlers that's a police officer in town, and he's a volunteer coach for me. And I think very highly of the procession. And I don't yeah. blame the officer that was in this tournament. Oh, yeah. He just he just kind of thought that maybe I would have a different response when he said that. <laughs> You're like, mm? <laughs> and, it's like well, and, you might have yeah. to. Well, right. You do what you, you do, you man. And that's and that's the interesting thing. And I think a lot of police officers will tell you. That, you know, especially probably ones that didn't wrestle, they probably wish they would have wrestled in high school just to have that base, like, knowledge and, like, that base understanding of, like, that combat, like, one-on-one situations where, you know, at least as a wrestler, you feel like you you can control a situation at least, you know? Yeah. Or at least you've been into that physical altercation a little bit yeah. and, and you, you know, what's kind of going, but no, I mean the cop, the guy handled it. Well, I, you know, like I said, the look on his face, if there was a camera would have been great <laughs> because he just did not expect that coming out of my mouth. But and I was right powerless now, at that point. Now I will tell you, I, I have coached a kid that left the gym in handcuffs. Oh. And that was that was a pretty rough moment. That was now it wasn't when I was head coach. It was before then when I was still coach, when assistant coach. But there was a situation where uh, situation kind of built up over a few weeks, and they ended up this kid and this kid that he wrestles ends up getting in a fist fight after the match, and you know it was bad. It yeah. was really bad. It was an embarrassing moment, and it was hard. I'll I'll hundred percent honest with you. It was hard to watch a kid wearing our warmups, you know, in handcuffs, walking out of the gym and yeah. in our warmups. So, well, but, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want to get in too many 
negative stories. Not that that's where yeah, we're trying no. to go. I'm going to get us back on track. It's just everybody out there that isn't wrestlers. I mean, it's 95% of the time that's not what's going on. Um, <laughs> no. It just sticks out when you start talking about it because we can sit here and go through stories all day long. I, I guarantee that. Um, but but these things happen and in all coaching situations. I don't care if you coach football, wrestling, baseball, whatever it is. There's always so many backstories that people never know about because that's a part of it too is the kids are individuals and and some of them aren't in good spots, as you mentioned. And as a coach, you're trying to give them an opportunity to better themselves. And, and when you're doing that, you are going to run in some rougher situations and, um, and you got to handle them. So uh, I'm, I'm going to jump back to some, some of our points here. <clears throat> like I said, I, th- I think we could probably do about three episodes on things like that. Um, yeah. But I'm going to focus back over to what were the topics we were going to do before. And uh, here's topic number two, I think, for today. What was a major letdown or time you felt you or your team underperformed? And then I've got some follow-up questions. Did you grow from it? And what changes did you make? And how did the changes work for you and your team? Um, so that's what I'm serving that up to you to start with. Shoot. That's a big one. Uh, yeah, I, I think right now, man, I have a lot. I have several moments that I can think of where I felt like I really, I feel like I underperformed as a coach or I didn't do a good job. Um, and then that led to failures with the team and we underperformed, um, kind of like you, you know, when I took over as head coach, we were, my, our, my first record was two and 20. We were just awful. And, um, and that was just a lot, a lot of issues at the time. And so we worked really hard to build, build our guys up through consistency. And we worked with younger guys really hard over those next few years and really tried to, you know, build the idea of consistency in wrestling over the, over that time. I'm going to tell you, and I, I think most people in my program would agree that uh, one of the biggest letdowns we've had in the last couple of years, which ended up leading to one of the best moments that we've had, but two seasons ago, uh, we had a team that I like, I was really almost kind of taken back at how good I thought we could be. Um, cause we kind of three years ago were flying under the radar and I was feeling like, man, we're, if we can keep things together, we're going to be really good over the next few years. And, and the, so two seasons ago we came in the season and I, I, nobody was looking at us and I was like, we are going to roll some people. We are going to really catch a lot of people off guard and going in after our Christmas break, we were 10 and two. And we had knocked off some good teams. And we had we had gotten beat by two teams that were ranked higher than us. One was uh, Trevor Kaufman's team, a 3A team. But I felt good about us. And at Christmas, just, I mean, honestly, we ended up taking four, we lost four starters in the next two and a half weeks to injury, season-ending wow. injuries. And it was, it was like pulling the Jenga piece at the bottom and just watching everything fall. Yeah. And 
I mean, there were several things that I picked from this, but so we were at Christmas, we were 10 and two. We finished this season like 13 and nine. I mean, so oh. the second half of the season, yeah. we went like three and six or eight. I can't remember what it was, but it was, you know, we really underperformed. And then that was the year that we got pulled up to the Washington regional. So now we have the number one and the number three ranked team in 2A in our own regional. And then on top of that, we had lost steam. We were falling apart. And we grit that regional, we greatly underperformed on how yeah. good we were. I think we almost came in last. And um, now, fast forward to 365 days, we win the regional the next year. Not that one. We actually we got pulled into a, a different regional. But those failures from the year before on my part <clears throat> led a better understanding of me um, on, on the next year. And the failures that I'm going to point at from two years ago were taking things for granted. I, I literally, I don't want to say I let off of them. But in my mind, I just thought, hey, we just that's all we got to do. We just got to keep things rolling and show up. And I didn't do a good enough job at just staying focused on the day to day. I talked about I talked about the end of the season too much. You know, I mean, I think it's good. I think it's a good thing early in the season when you believe that you can be a top team to put those goals out there and to put those ideas like hey the you know we're we want to win a regional this year we want to wrestle in a state tournament as a team you know we want individuals to do well and i did that and i talked about those things but my problem was throughout the season i kept talking about those same things and <clears throat> not that you can't come back to it but i was so focused on what you know the end of the season that I forgot to pay attention to know, hey, we have a practice right now. It's time to focus on having the best practice that we can have today. You know, or, hey, this guy, he's kind of getting off the path a little bit. His grades are starting to slip. We need to get him straightened out right now. Not, I'm not talking about the end of January, February. I'm talking about December 10th. You yeah. know, what are we doing today? And now because of that and because of those failures, and I, I didn't sleep. After that season, it took me a few days to be able to get my mind back, at least settled. But <clears throat> it led to last season, which, you know, we end up winning our first regional since 1984. And I focused on the day to day hard and I took it. I took it pretty hard to that. And I really I put it on myself to be the best coach that I could in a day to day sense. And it and it led to success for us. So, you know, man, there's so many parallels. I'm just seeing from from, <laughs> from you talking. I'm thinking things. I'm writing things down. Goal setting is something that I wrote down that <clears throat> sometime we should do. We should do maybe even a whole episode on that because there's a certain way that I, I like to do that. But I, I think it's interesting just to hear how you focus. If you focus so hard on one thing, you start to lose sight of the other. And for you, it was so focused on the end. It was the day-to-day. And uh, sometimes I've done the opposite. Sometimes I've been so encaptured in the moment, I'm kind of forgetting the overall picture. Or you're dealing with something. Um, 
as a coach, like I, the, I teach at a different school inside the district than I, I coach at. So there's at least one or two coaches that can get there technically before I do. Cause I have to come over. So I come over and it's always interesting. Cause when I walk in the room, usually they're starting warmups and stuff like that. Cause I, you know, I don't have to be standing there for them. They know what they're supposed to do for warmups. We have leaders and everything else. Um, but there's usually one or two people standing in front of the office that I'm going to. And I'm like, Oh, here we go. This is the way we're going to start today. You know, I've already got my practice plan done, which is fine. And I've got it printed and it always goes in the same place. And the kids knows it goes in the same place. And then my coaches already know beforehand. So, so the practice can run even while I'm dealing with these, but it's like, sometimes instead of being focused on what I need to right then, it's like these two people need satisfaction now. And again, that comes back to somewhat of our society and how things are handled. Um, and for me, one of the biggest skills I think I've learned over time is stop the kid, get a summary of what's going on, and then try to decide in that moment, is this need to be dealt with now or can you and I take care of this later after practice when we've got more time? Because there are going to be situations that it is you need to, you need to deal with it. Okay. This kid needs you now, whatever the situation calls for your attention that at that moment. Um, but there's other situations where they feel like it's the most pressing thing in the world. And you're like, ah, that's like on a one to two on my scale right now. It's not that big of a deal, but I know it is for you. I promise you we're going to handle it, but I've got 35 other people that need me right now. Um, but going back to our topic of failure, um, and it's going to hit, like I said, very close to what you were saying. In 2016, we're in uh, Peoria, Notre Dame. Uh, we're wrestling a regional there. Uh, going into the last round, so we were the dark horse. Nobody saw us coming. We were in the lead. We're winning the regional tournament. Hadn't won one since 1984. We're in the lead. And it's like a movie going on. We just start faltering. We're losing close matches. Some of the calls aren't going our way, which that's that's just it. That's human error. No, no ref was out to get Dixon High School, but there were some calls that were questionable, and it starts to build in your mind. And then we have people losing to people that we beat before. Um, I had one kid actually win that I wouldn't have guessed he would have won and ended up being a regional champ then. But for the most part, I, I haven't gone back and looked at our record that round, but it was – one of the worst performances we've ever had. And I think some of it was the moment um, just being very big. And then just, you know, as a coach during those times, trying to find what's our stopper, how do, who's, who's going to stop the bleeding around here. Who's going to stop. And it's different than a dual meet too, because it's all individual matches that aren't going right after each other. Um, but we lost. Um, and so the moment after the tournament is over, you know, we get to watch these other guys lift the trophy. We ended up taking third that day. Wasn't first. We ended up taking third. Um, Sterling won. Geneseo got second. We took third. I pulled everybody into the back hallway. Now, I had I had a couple seniors that were going to leave that were pretty good. So I, I told them, you know, hey, great job. A lot of them individually had other things they were going to do that season. Um, but as a team, as a whole, my point to them was, is we have to remember what happened. I want you to etch it in your mind. I want you to remember the feeling we have right now because we need to use that to springboard us into this next season. Because a good majority of them were going to be back and we were going to be a good team. And I and it was a good way for them to realize 
we're this close as a program to push over the edge. Keep that sting as a reminder next year when 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 you're having a bread practice or whatever, or you're letting your focus get away that this is the goal. This is one of our goals. Um, and I walked off and let them do the things with the family. My coaches and I all stepped outside and we looked at each other and Micah summed it up pretty well. He goes, I don't know about you, but I think I'm going to puke. <laughs> and I felt the same way. And then we started talking. We realized None of us had eaten since like 10 o'clock in the morning because we were seeing <laughs> yeah. what was going on and all these things. So it was a sickening feeling to leave that day. But the next time, the next year when we, when we came in, you know, we always set goals as a team and then I do individually. So our goals as a team, we set the bar higher than we had ever had at that point. Uh, and it was, it was great. As much as that moment sucked, that moment ended up propelling us to the regional title the next year and all the way down to the line to place in third that year. Um, so there was momentum that was built. That forged those guys together. Um, and I'd be lying if I didn't give the old remember the hallway speech before we were going in that week. I mean, I remembered it. I, I can tell you what things look like today, and I can tell you what their faces were. You know, if any of those kids say they didn't have tears in their eyes when they had lost that and took third place, uh, they're lying. I can tell you exactly who they were. And I'd be lying if I didn't say I wasn't emotional during that time. But all that happening culminated. And I got another great movie or a great moment that feels like it's a Marvel or DC comic movie at the end of this is um, after we took third, we're coming back. We're coming back from Bloomington and it's it's about midnight these kids are hungry and I haven't eaten all day really either. Cause it's all been an exciting day. I had this big rush. We stopped at a gas station and also had a Hardee's in it. And so we go in this Hardee's there's nobody there. Cause it's midnight and we all get something to eat and we sit down and I'm eating this cheeseburger and my kids are all sitting around me and we got this trophy sitting there third place trophy with us. So it was one of those magical moments that it, you just never see coming. And then one kid made a mistake. And his mistake was, as he looked at me and he said, hey, coach, what are you thinking about? And I got a cheeseburger in my hand and I looked at him and I go, we lost one dual meet this year by like a point. That sucks. <laughs> all, the, all the kids are like, really? You brought that up at this point? I was like, you asked me. I, I had the answer. I, I don't know what to tell you. That's just where my mind went real quick. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, like I said, springboarding in those actions, but th that was just a moment where I was reflecting on everything that happened. And I was very happy at that moment. I wasn't over reflecting. It just was one thing that poked in my head. Cause we actually, we didn't win our conference because we lost that one duel. So there we are, took third in the in state, won our regional and we lost one duel and that's what came up to me, but it was well worth it because I think that's another part of a failure where we weren't perfect. And by perfect, when I say perfect, and, and the guys around this team understand that, is not everybody did exactly what they needed to do at the time they needed to do it and gave everything they had. And, and slip-ups happen. I mean, go back to the Patriots when they were undefeated and they lost in the Super Bowl. I mean, things happen. And not that we were that good. Obviously, we weren't because we took third. But, you know, you can't be perfect all the time. I pref like I said, my definition of perfect is doing everything you can at that moment um, to give yourself success. And if you do that, that's a good place to be. So anyways, that's kind of my little story about failure and how it can propel you forward.
another topic that we have, and this is our third and final topic of the day. Um, what's something that wrestlers experience slash learn that everyone could benefit from? So those folks that are in the sport of wrestling, and like I said, I, this probably could go on to a whole nother episode. Um, and I think we'll probably see that, but briefly, if you can describe one or two things that you think that, that people get from the sport that we're involved in that not as not necessarily every athlete gets. You're asking me. To yes. Yes. That? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Probably the biggest thing that I see from wrestling that I just, I, I guess I try and live my life this way. It's the way I was raised is that you don't quit and that you're going to have, there's always someone out there who's better than you. There's always someone out there outworking you. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about wrestling or whether we're talking about being the best teacher we can be, uh, being the best, you know, family, you know, member we can be, being the best husband, whatever. You're there's there's always something out there that you can get better at. And the sport of wrestling is such a humbling sport that you know, no if you really notice, like no one is really ever on top that long. You know, it's just it's ups and downs and it just humbles you the longer that you stay with it, which I think is a very important thing to learn in life. And, and like I said, just not quitting, um, not giving up on something and finishing out commitments that you've committed yourself to. And I think all those things are important. So how do you feel about it? Yeah, I, I'd follow along right with, with where you're going. And, um, I, I'd say one of the biggest things is just being vigilant with yourself on what you need to do. Um, you know, you, you get done with practice and you jump on the scale and you got to weigh in the next day and you're a pound and a half, two pounds, whatever it might be. I mean, a pound and a half, no big deal, but you're a few pounds over, like, you know, a, I, I got to go home. I already knew I had to do homework or whatever it is tonight, but I now I know I'm going to have to get another workout and I have to decide for myself, how is that going to look? And I've got kind of got two options at this point, right? Am I going to falter and say, I'm going to take the easy road and I'll just have to let them, you know, coaches know tomorrow and hopefully this work magically works itself out. Or are you going to be that self starter that says I have discipline and I realize that people would depend on me to do what I'm supposed to do your job, which is a thing that I, I say a lot to my team. I've got to do my job. I, I have to go home now, complete my homework that is due to keep my grades up. Cause that's part of my job as a student athlete is be a student first. And then I have to go find a way to work out. Now, do I have a place to work out at or am I hitting the pavement? What's the weather like? Can I get there? I mean, all these different things that are going on. Um, and it is, and it's, it's not an easy thing. So I think that's one of the things is just having the dedication uh, of what you need to do. And, and it's, it's also a sport, you know, you're, you can be a little selfish in too, because it is you and the other person on the mat. So you're constantly looking at yourself as how do I improve? Um, and when you're watching tape, sometimes that's hard, especially for high school athletes is they see it. 
And then if you're watching it with your wrestlers, you're pointing it out and you're like, like you almost get that uneasy feeling. You know, you got to teach them how to get past this. Like, Hey, this isn't a spot where I'm, I'm bashing you. This is a spot, an opportunity to get better. And, um, and it is, like I said, it's so focused on you as a individual, um, that it's, it's very unique because whenever you're talking about things about getting better, there are team things that you do together, but it, it really, the film doesn't lie. And what's going on to you speak volumes of you and, and the progression of individuals from when they've started this sport until when they're getting towards the end of their career, whether it's um, the end of high school or, or if they go on to college, it's, it's an amazing thing to see and to see that confidence build. So I think that's one of the, the greatest things they can get out of is just like I said, being dependent on themselves. One of my favorite quotes uh, in wrestling, I think I remember the first time I heard this quote, I think I was probably in seventh grade, uh, is the Dan Gable quote. The first period goes to the, the most technical wrestler. He wins the first period. The second period goes to the wrestler who's got the best endurance, who's in the best shape. The third period goes to the wrestler with the most heart. And one of my favorite quotes I remember really taking that quote in uh, when I was young. And I remember like thinking really hard about that. And I also think like in wrestling, it's why I'm what's one, in my opinion, one of the most enjoyable types of matches to watch are is the last two minutes of a match where both guys are exhausted and and neither of them are stopping. It's close. Everybody, like, all wrestling fans want to see matches like that. They always want their guy to win, but ultimately they want to see two guys battling it out, not giving up, like going past the point of human exhaustion to where, you know, yeah, you could quit. You could quit. You could let up right now, and you're going to lose. And you almost, when you're in that moment as a wrestler, you don't want to let the crowd down. Like, you don't want to let those people down that are cheering you on. Like, you might lose, but you don't want to give up. And I've just always, I've always thought about that quote because, probably because uh, I, I definitely was not the most technical wrestler. Um, I always, I worked pretty hard. I'd get myself in as good a shape as I could be. And I, I, you know, I had definitely had moments when I was in top shape. Um, but if I was going to win matches, I typically just had to outlast people because there were a lot of people better than me. Mm -hmm. I just had to, I had to be the guy that was still going hard in the last, you know, 30 seconds or minute, 90% 90 of my wins. So there begs the question, and this comes back to something I've been I've been even thinking about for this year because I like to do almost themes for each year. How did you know that that was there, Justin? How did you know that you could survive that last minute and a half, the last forty five seconds? Just doing it, practice. I mean, getting people to push you in those moments. And you already, and you said it. I mean, the practice. You had filled your gas tank before that point. You had filled it. And that's that's one of the things I'm going to stress, especially with the goofy year that it's been. 
<laughs> filling your gas tank because when we run sprints and stuff, and I'll still do that once in a while with the kids and running stairs or whatever. They know if 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 I'm going to still be running with them and I start passing them because they're slowing down because they're out of breath, I tell them you just got gas tanked, and their eyes kind of whoa. And some of them, you know, they go a little while for and then they die down again, and then I pass. Oh, you got gas tanked again. And the point is to me, all those practices, all that running, all those things you're doing, you are building yourself, and that's one of the biggest things I think athletes sometimes don't see, especially when they're younger, is. Sometimes they see it as, well, coach is making me do this today. Well, coach is making you do that today because when you have to call upon that gas tank, you have to have it full because if it isn't there, everyone's going to see it. You're going to be in the spotlight. And if you can't go, and that, like you said, it doesn't mean you're going to win every time, but the crowd knows whether you gave up or not. And if you want to avoid that give up moment, you better have the gas tank ready to roll and it better be full. So I love that you brought that up, and I think it's one of the biggest things that athletes in any sport can do. Um, always have that gas tank available to you if it's within your power, and that comes from that comes from before. That that's not some magic dust you pull out of nowhere when you've got thirty seconds left. I mean, don't get me wrong, adrenaline and stuff will do a lot for you, but if that guy's got the lungs and the heart, and you don't, and you don't have the belief in it. They're going to get you. So I'm going to let you in on a little secret, a little coaching secret for me. And I'm going to even let you take this one. But I wouldn't be surprised if maybe you already do something like this. <clears throat> one of my favorite things to do in season as a coach, I like to push guys, you know, like, okay, hey, we're going to grind them tonight. We're going to, you know, mm -hmm. we're going to push them hard. You know, yeah. we're going to break them. And because you, you need those moments at the right time, you need those moments in season. And one of my favorite things to do is about, I don't know, you know, let's say typical end of practice is at 530. You know, you're letting guys out at 530, 510, 515. Sometimes I'll line them up like on the end when we're going to do like double, double sprints or something like that. I'll line them up and I'll say, I tell you what, guys. Anybody who wants to go home right now, you can go home. No punishment. No, like, I'm not going to come back on you. I'm not going to say anything about you about this moment. You know, like, you know, you get them tired first. Yeah. And then I like to get them to that point, And I like to say, you can walk out the door right now. No questions asked. Go home. You've, you guys have had a hard practice. You've put in a hard one. But if you stay, this is on you. Like this next 15 minutes, this next 20 minutes, this is on you because you chose to stay here. And I like creating, I like giving them that like, this is your season. This mm -hmm. is your practice. This isn't mine. I'm the guy that's leading it or, you know, Coach Lawrence or Coach McShane. We're the guys putting it together, but this is for you. And if you're not going to take ownership in that, then you're always going to look at, at practices as a punishment. You know, yeah. or you're going to look those hard moments. Oh, coach is making us do sprints again. Coach is making us do 50 push-ups. Coach is making, you know, no, this is developing. This is building you. And I'm, to be honest with you, I can get you to emulate the person that I want you to be. I can force you 
to go through the hard practice. I can force you to do the push-ups. I can force you to do those things. But ultimately, you're never going to get to a high level until you become that the driving force for that. You know, you're always just going to be an average guy until you take ownership and you say, this is mine. Coach doesn't need to push me because I'm pushing myself. And that is a thing in wrestling that is really, it's really hard to find that level of intensity in any other sport because you're pushing yourself to that physical line and then you're going past it. Yeah. And that's, I I love that technique. That is great. And that's a great way to get them to buy into things. And I, and I, I do that more a lot of times on an individual basis, like, especially at the beginning of the year, be in a practice and you'll, you'll, you'll see a guy that wants to run some extra sprints, which I think is great. I think it's great. And then it's kind of like, you kind of look at the next guy and you kind of whisper in his ear and be like, Hey, just so you know, so-and-so <laughs> just did two more. What do you, I, I mean, if you're good with it, I'm good with it, but I'm just telling you, you know, when you see you that reaction, sleep, if you can sleep tonight, knowing that, I mean, that's, yeah, if that's what you, if that's what you want. <laughs> now what's really also interesting for me is then I pay attention to that guy that started this whole thing. I want to know in a month if you're still doing sprints. Because are you real or are you a pretender? And that comes to fruition during the season. You find out who's real and who's pretending. And what's great about that as a coach is you never have to bring that up to anybody because they know and they watch. Mm -hmm. And the ones that know, know. And some of them, some of them, and this is not always, but you get those, those rare ones, that when someone starts that going and they're a, they're a pretender – the real ones step up and start putting them. They just they they lay it down on them, and then they just keep going. And I'll be here tomorrow, and I'll be here the day after that, and I'll be here the day after that. That's the consistency of doing those types of things is what you build great people. And I don't mean wrestlers. That's great people. Someone that day in day out. I got my lunch pail. I'm coming. I'm coming. And I always tell guys I want to be elite. You got to be the top three in everything we do. Well, what do you mean, coach? I mean, if if we're doing a takedown tournament in the room, you got to be in the top three at the end of it. I don't care, big, small, whatever. If we're running sprints in the gym, you got to finish the top three every time. If we're running a long jog, you got to be top three. Well, coach, well, I don't do this well. Then I don't. It doesn't matter what you don't do well. You better figure out a way. Because if you're willing to scratch for it every single time, you may not make it. But if you're if that's your goal and you're pushing your body the whole time, you'll see. You know, it's just pounding that rock. You're just chipping it away, and it's and it's building for you. And and your the other ones are going. I am sick of this guy, always <laughs> running behind me on my heels. He's step. He's giving me flat tires behind me because he's behind me, and I can hear him the whole time. And that's one thing that I try to give people too is, you know, when I used to work out, especially when I was in high school and things like that. Uh, visualization is a big thing for me. And it was like, I'd be on a treadmill and God, I'm, I don't want to be on this treadmill anymore, but I would think in my head of someone I lost to maybe the season before, or even that season that I wanted to get them. And in my head, I was chasing them down. Like, Hey man, this guy's already got a lead on me, but don't worry about that lead. I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming. The train's on the track and it's picking up momentum. I'm going to get there. Um, Sometimes you get there, sometimes you don't, but it just gave the objective. It gave you that thing, that target to shoot for, and I think that's that's awesome. That that builds great people. So that it does. 
Well, Justin, I think we've done a heck of a job on this episode. I know we've kind of been all over the map, but great stuff today. Should we turn this back around on our listeners and say like, hey, you guys can go right now. Podcast is over, but, you know, we're going to go for 15, 20 more minutes. I mean, the people who are dedicated are going to stay. Or do you think anybody's done listening to us? Well, I think your brother at this point probably won't listen to your next one. He's getting sick of your voice if that's who you're talking to right now. Um, that's all right. But uh, all right. I won't, I won't do is... that to them right now. I'm just going to challenge them to listen to the next episode. That's how they can, that's how they can put their extra time because they've got a choice. Okay. They've got a choice, Justin. They don't have to sit there. They don't have to do that. That's true. This no. is true. They, they, we've they got, uh, yeah, no, we, uh, I think this was a good episode. And like I said, I kind of, I'm enjoying building these up a little bit and then we're going to get, start getting some guests on here and I'm looking forward to that. We're going to keep working on our audio. We're going to get it better. It's going to yep. get better. So that's for right. those of you that are Process. really dedicated, that's right. For those of you that are truly dedicated and, and fighting through the bad audio here. Stay with us. It's going to get better. Keep going. (laughs) Keep trucking. We're, we're working. We're getting that train up to speed here. We'll get there. All right. Well, and with that, we will see you on the next one. Catch you on the flip side. I'm Justin Dietrich with me is Chris Bishop. And these are American hands.